Welcome to the Sick and Successful Podcast, hosted by Shalinda Kirby, a cervical cancer survivor, and Natalie Supes, a Crohn's warrior since 2007. Our goal is to give you proof that it's not only possible to be sick and successful, but it's possible for you. Dream big and tune in. You can also follow us on Instagram at sickandsuccessful underscore. Here are your hosts. Well, I'm pretty excited about this uh, episode because I get to talk to one of my best friends from back in Alberta. Her name is Kirsten Speck. She is a business owner, a new mom, a wife, and a Crohn's warrior. So this is going to be exciting to introduce uh, to Natalie because you guys kind of both have Crohn's. <laughs> yeah, welcome to our podcast. It's been a long time coming. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited. So let's start off with our, uh, we have three kind of speed round questions that we go through to get the, the podcast rolling. Uh, where are you from and what do you do for a living, Kristen? Originally from Fort McMurray, Alberta. I live in Medicine Hat now. My husband and I are small business owners. We just purchased a commercial property. We own a hair salon and a concrete company. Busy, busy. And like uh-huh. I mentioned, a new mom. Yes. My son is 14 months now and busier than ever. And you also own a hair salon. That's another part of your uh, life, Kirsten. So tell us a bit about that. Yeah, I purchased my salon for and a bit years ago before I was even finished hair school, which was terrifying. Um, but it's been a really fun adventure. And now my husband and I were in the position to purchase our own building to move my hair salon into. So construction should be wrapping up on that in the next couple of months. And it's super exciting for us because... As most people know, Canada is in a downturn economy right now, and the rental market is just crazy. It's really hard to survive out there for any small business owners because the rental market is crazy. Landlords don't care. And when you get into something like a triple net, um, which is a type of rent or rental agreement, there's you have no control of your overhead. They can raise what they want when they want when it comes to additional expenses. So it's really, really tough for any type of small business owner to make a go at it when that's the case. A lot of our listeners probably don't know, but I've been a hairstylist since 2007. No, since 2003. When I started high school, I I went into (laughs) hair school, but I don't do it anymore. I kind of just do my own hair and stuff like that. But yeah, so we have a lot in common. Yes, (laughs) we have a ton in common. Which leads me to my next question. What is your sickness? I know we kind of touched on it, but I want to hear it from your perspective. So I got sick when I was um, just going into high school, eighth grade, ninth grade. There was not a lot of information at the time. It took a long time to get a diagnosis. I was referred to the Stellary Children's Hospital in Edmonton. um, And it took a lot of testing to find out that I had something called Crohn's disease, which, I mean, 15, 16 years ago, there's very limited information on anything out there it was really new there wasn't a lot of options for treatment Um, and I was a high school kid with no control of my bowels and it was really embarrassing my first course of treatment was like 10 pills of prednisone a day for Mm -hmm. six months and most people probably don't know, but prednisone has a lot of crazy side effects. Actually, and I think a something... lot of our listeners will know because they are mostly, I think not mostly, but a lot of our listeners are Crohn's patients. So, Well, yeah. that's, yeah. So 
if you know, then you know you've had the, the <laughs> joy you know, of you know. taking prednisone on and off. Um, but yeah, it's not something that's fun. It causes excessive weight gain from the water retention. It causes insomnia, among many other things. So Moon the face. prolonged, yeah, the prolonged use of it in high school is something that was really embarrassing for me. I hadn't seen a few of my friends in a while, and I had one of them roll up to a window of a car I was sitting in in a parking lot, and said, "Holy beep." You got that. Aww, and I think I was, was 16 at the time, and it was because of the medication. But most people on the outside don't know that. Mm-hmm. They just know that you've gained weight, you look different, you look big, but they have no idea internally how sick you are. That's so tough. Before we jump in to more about your sickness, I want to get to the last question in the uh, speed round. What is something that you do every day that makes you successful? I think... For me, like starting the day with completing a task always makes you feel ready for the day. So I make it a point to make my bed every single morning. And I think for me, like I have a different heart when I think about business. Like I don't think about business the same way most people do when they're in business. I more lead with my heart than I do with my brain. And sometimes that bites me in the butt. But I think putting people first is what makes me good at what I do. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. That so is a different cool. outlook on business, too, because I think, yeah, a lot of our listeners are taught or we just kind of like, you know, learned the way that we're supposed to do business is with smarts and, you know, leave the emotion out of it. But I think that a lot of success does stem from people being able to tap into that heart of mm-hmm. theirs. Yeah, I think that's definitely probably it's like a catch 22, right? Because for me, looking at the other side, it's something that's really challenging for me. And I always feel like I should give before I get. And I always just want to make sure everybody else is happy and taken care of before I worry about myself. And so I know that's why I maybe don't jive in some senses with other business owners, just because we have very different outlooks. But um, I think I get that from my mom. (laughs) Okay, so let's circle back to your sickness. So you mentioned that you were pretty much diagnosed with Crohn's in high school. From there, kind of tell us what what happened throughout your life in terms of dealing with Crohn's and and maybe like some of the medications that you were on and, uh, yeah, some some of the side effects that you dealt with aside from, you know, your experience with prednisone. Yeah, so I was on prednisone, like I said, for about the first six months, uh, just because my symptoms were so out of control, and the easiest thing to do to treat it is a course of prednisone. Especially back then, too. Yeah, Mm -hmm. they just, like, didn't have any information, so prednisone was always the go-to, and I find even now, when you have a flare, the first thing they typically go towards is prednisone Mm -hmm. thankfully they don't believe in keeping you on prednisone for extended period of time anymore but um it typically is prednisone and once i was kind of under control i went to something called pentaza and does nothing it does nothing it it (laughs) truly does nothing (laughs) so they like put you on this huge course of prednisone to put you on pentaza to basically take you back three steps yeah um, then it was another course of prednisone, and then we tried Astacol, and I was, like, I think in the 10th grade, and I had to take 18 pills a day. I had to take six in the morning, six at lunch, and six in the evening. And I don't know if you know any normal high school kid, but trying to take any pills, let alone 18 pills a day, it just doesn't happen. 
you understand you're sick, but I mean, at the same time, you want to be with your friends, you want to be normal. So (laughs) I think I just took kind of the bare minimum to keep my parents off my back. But um, I lost my mom when I was in high school and uh, I sort of stopped taking care of myself at that point and I let it go for a long time and I just managed my disease because to me it was normal and I moved to Medicine Hat um, obviously many years later and I got in with a doctor here um, with Natural Health Services and I was at the point where my options were basically the equivalent of chemotherapy which is something like Remicade or um, Inflectra or trying cannabis and I opted to try cannabis and when I talked to this doctor for the first time in my life I actually felt heard about my disease about my symptoms I had been convinced for many years that I had some form of arthritis and my family doctor was always like nope you know what you're too young there's no way you have arthritis you're only in your 20s And then I spoke to this doctor and he said, of course you have arthritis. It goes hand in hand with Crohn's disease. It's an autoimmune thing. It's, and for the first time in my life, it was like a light went off in my head and I was like, oh my gosh, somebody hears me. Somebody's listening to me, not just trying to shove a different form of drug at me. Yeah. It's crazy when, um, you kind of get, especially getting diagnosed early. I was diagnosed when I was 17 um and on all the same course of medications except then with the acetyl i was put on imuran and acetyl so i was taking about 30 pills a day for a long period of time um it it's like you just you think it's normal the doctors say nothing else like there nothing else can be done this is just your life and you kind of get into this routine until a doctor listens or someone listens or or there's that light at the end of the tunnel where like oh, it doesn't have to always be like this? Like, huh? Yeah, yeah, Yeah. 100%. I can understand how that feels. Yeah, that's so cool that you had that opportunity to move and that that, like, came into your life. And being from Fort McMurray, it's, I don't know if you know anything about Fort McMurray, but it is a a smaller, more isolated city. There's one way in and one way out. We don't get a ton of, like, the things that other cities get because we're kind of out of the way growing up. So when I moved here and there was an option to see a doctor who was actually an internal medicine doctor that had gotten into cannabis treatment, it was something that was really exciting for me. And I was on cannabis treatment for about two years and symptom-free. So tell us more about the cannabis treatment. Like what were they doing? How did it work? Did they take you off all the other medications? I did. I came off all the other medication. I got a 20 to 1 ratio of can- like CBD oil, and I was taking uh, a full mill syringe every morning. And when my arthritis would flare, I would use the plant for immediate relief. So it wasn't something that I felt like I had to smoke all day, every day. Um, it was something that you can get in different like levels, I guess, with the THC. So for me, I knew like what I had to be under because... If you just smoke something that's really high in THC, it doesn't necessarily benefit you in any way, shape, or form. And for me, it caused paranoia. So I knew I had to be under a certain level of THC for myself to actually benefit from what I was smoking. So for me, the real benefit was the CBD oil that was basically, in a way, healing you from the inside out. Yeah. So this isn't something that I've ever talked about, I think, in public or on air or on my Instagram or anything like that before, but I think it's important to share is 
when I was going through um, my 12-year-long flare, so I was extreme to the point where they wanted to do surgery and I was on Humira and stuff like that, or they put me on Humira. Um, the only thing, uh, I went from about 190 pounds to 118 pounds. I could hardly eat. I was throwing up every day. And the only thing that helped me, number one, eat, but took the extreme pain away, even though I was on like two plus T3s a day and sometimes Hydromorph was to smoke the plant. So I think it's something that a little bit less taboo here in Canada now because it's legal. But um, a lot of patients like in the States and all over the world think like, you know, you go onto a support website and someone says like, try cannabis. And they're like, oh no, like, what is that going to do? I don't want to get high. It's not about the getting high. Like you said, like experimenting and finding the THC levels that work for you or if an indica, sativa, that's two different types of marijuana that work for you. It can really help in your recovery or even just to relieve some of those symptoms where like if someone is does have Crohn's or is listening and has a chronic illness where it's pain all day, you kind of let go of like your dreams, your goals, your life, your thoughts, because it hurts so much. So cannabis was able to give me that relief in the evening where I could eat dinner without throwing up, where I could spend some time with my husband. And sometimes I would get high because I would have a more THC and sometimes I wouldn't. And I found a good routine that worked for me. I actually no longer really smoke weed um, because I don't, I'm not in a flare, but it's, it's a great course of action. It's something to look into and not to be scared of just because it's been prohibition for so long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think so the I thing that. that really gets me with people who are so against cannabis is in the grand scheme of things, when you think about it and you think about the pharmaceuticals that you're putting into your body day in and day out, we never once question what those pharmaceuticals are made of when our doctor prescribes it. When you look at cannabis as a whole, how is it made? It grows from soil. It's, you know what I mean? Like you're putting all kinds of chemicals into your body because your doctor is telling you to. But the second you have maybe a different point of view saying, let's maybe look at cannabis as an option. And it truly is a plant. For some people, that's a really scary thought. And I don't know if it's a scary thought because it didn't come from a medical professional or what that is. But really my my big thing would be to urge people to do your research, to really do your research, especially on the way different types of cannabis affect different brain receptors and pain receptors and stuff like that, because there's a ton of information out there. And I think the more people are educated, the more people will realize it's not something to be scared of. And it's something that you can be really in control of and legitimately Nobody in the history of the world has ever died from cannabis use. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, 100%. And I and I, I have to reiterate the fact that, yeah, like, don't just go walk into a dispensary <laughs> or a store that, you know, sells marijuana and just grab, you know, the first thing that you see. Like, you know, a lot of those people that work in those stores now are educated, but I would suggest if you're going to use cannabis medicinally for a chronic illness, um, I would I would suggest going to a place like Natural Health Services here in Canada. I know that like that's a place that Kirsten had mentioned in Medicine Hat, and I know that here in Winnipeg we have one as well. So they've got to be you know across the country, I would assume. Uh, but those are trained medical professionals that have studied cannabis and the effects of CBD and all that kind of stuff. Because uh, I even dabbled in in cannabis um, when I was dealing with my cervical cancer due to the fact that I could no longer take any more pain medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, my body would just like. I, I, I didn't want my liver to shut down or something like that. 
So it was a savior for for the cramping that I would have and the nausea that I would be dealing with. Um, And again, I didn't have to take any hardcore prescription medicines due to the fact that I chose cannabis to treat my pain during that period of my uh, my life. Yeah. And something I always say is like, this is something that I preach all over the place that holistic nutrition, holistic medicine practices, holistic everything doesn't have to exclude Western medicine. Because in my experience, I did all this research and I brought it to my GI who had never ever prescribed a marijuana license to anyone before, had a straight conversation with him. And I'm so blessed for my doctor, like he listens. And he filled out the prescription for me as his first patient ever. And I was able to then go to a legal dispensary um, who knows more about medical marijuana and what to look for and have a conversation with them and start that way. So um, this was prior to it being legal here in Canada, but it, it is still... Um, you can still get your medical marijuana license by going to your doctor. That being said, some doctors may not be open to it, but it isn't one or the other. I didn't stop taking my medications at that point. Like I worked with my doctor and found a route um, that worked for me. So it doesn't have to be all or nothing. Mm -hmm. It's just another option that's been taboo for so long that shouldn't be. (laughs) Absolutely. And I mean, like when you go into a dispensary, that's just a dispensary because it's legal now, it's much different than going somewhere that, like Natural Health Services, has people who are educated on what specific strains or THC levels or CBD levels are appropriate for different types of symptoms. Mm -hmm. So just because you maybe one time went into a dispensary because it's legal now and got something you thought was appropriate for what you needed, maybe it was just the wrong type. So again, it just comes back to being educated. And like you said, I agree 100%. It It doesn't have to be one or the other. It can be a mixture of both. My GI also supports the use of CBD oil and cannabis with Crohn's disease. So it's really nice to find a doctor um, that is open Mm -hmm. because, like you said, not all of them are. No, and it's so important to have that team behind you who is going to listen to what you want to do, the the route you want to take to to deal with your disease versus just forcing something on you. And. That is a really, really incredibly important point because it's your health. And at the end of the day, nobody is going to fight for your health. You have to do it for yourself. Mm -hmm. And if there comes a time where a course of treatment is suggested to you and it's not something you mentally are okay with, then you have to advocate for yourself because that recently happened to me at my last appointment. I've been in a flare for a year and a half. And we have been trying all kinds of things to get it under control. And something was suggested to me at my last appointment that for me personally, I'm not okay with. And I had to say that. So for me, um, because of where my Crohn's is located, um, it was suggested to me to start rectal therapy. And that is not something I mentally am okay with. I'm not ready to go there. I think for any normal person, they're not going to be like, yes, please put something in my butt to help me. That's yeah, not I've, a thing. I've been, I've Nobody gone that route. That. Yeah. Yeah. I feel you. I, so. I was prescribed the same thing and I think I tried once and I was like, hard no, not happening. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just not something mentally that yeah. I'm okay with. And I think for myself, it would cause more damage to my, to my own mental self. Health? Yeah. Mental health. Yes. My own mental health than it would benefit me. Like I just can't get there and that's my own 
that's where I draw the line and that's okay. And some people maybe are like, you know, I don't care. I'll do whatever it takes for me. I've been sick for so long. I've dealt with the symptoms for so long. This is my normal. And I'm not at the point where I'm so done that I feel like I have to go there. So what, what are your next steps? So I started Inflectra, which is basically the sister medication of Remicade um, about two months ago. My first transfusion um, was awesome. It takes about three hours from start to finish. I go in, they hook me up to an IV machine, and I sit there while they transfuse medication. Um, I would just like to say I tried many other medications before we got to this point, and nothing was helping, and I just wasn't getting any better. And the first one was amazing. I was like symptom free in three days. It was awesome. I was like, this is great. This is my answer. I can totally do this once every two months. So it went over really well. And then after like day 12, uh, my symptoms started to come back. Thankfully, they put you in one for one transfusion every two weeks for the first six weeks. The second transfusion did not go over well. I got very sick. My symptoms didn't go away at all. My third transfusion, I didn't get sick, but nothing happened. And I went to Mexico recently, and I had full-blown symptoms the whole time I was in Mexico. My first thought anywhere we went was, where's the nearest bathroom? Which, when you are sick with something like Crohn's disease, you realize how poorly thought-out bathrooms are when you are on a Mexican resort. Uh-huh. <laughs> I can imagine. So true. So true. <laughs> So um, I recently had a follow-up with my nurse practitioner who works for my doctor. Um, She is, like, really amazing. She's so knowledgeable when it comes to everything Crohn's, which I super appreciate. Um, And so at this point, I am still full-blown problematic, full-blown symptomatic. Um, So we're going to try doubling my dose and go from there. If that doesn't work, then we're going to have to go back to the drawing board and find out what's next when it comes to treatment because I just we're, we're not sure where to go from here. And have you done like any specific diets or holistic nutrition approaches? I haven't, and this will be, I feel like, a debate within the Crohn's community because some people believe you can control Crohn's with diet. Some people believe diet has no effect on Crohn's. It doesn't matter what you eat. Some things, obviously, everybody is different. It will make you flare. But I seen a specialist a number of years ago. It just happened to be that he was in from San Diego at the time that I was admitted to the hospital. And his approach was there is no correlation between flare-ups and diet with Crohn's disease. Yeah, I would have to 100% disagree, but I agree that that's... uh... Um, debate within our community. I'm, oh, 100%. Yeah. I'm a holistic nutrition coach. I think that's what it's called. Holi- registered holistic nutrition coach. Just finished school for it. But I've been coaching women with Crohn's for the last almost two years now, I guess. And I would say I've probably had over a few hundred women who have been able to at least slow their symptoms down or get off medications in total, which I never recommend, but they do on their own with their doctor through nutrition. So I know that's like it needs to be studied so much more, but I used to believe for 12 years, I believed no matter what I ate, didn't matter with my flair. And then when I had no other choice, I tried Humira, I gained all the weight, everything was breaking down. 
I turned to nutrition and it actually worked. So yeah, it's, it's crazy. It, 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 yeah. <laughs> How doctors will tell us that it doesn't matter, but that's what fuels our body. Like our body's made out of the food we put into it. What do you, how do you feel about it? I want to know your opinion. (laughs) I mean, I don't, I don't disagree, but I also feel like what affects me when it comes to food and Crohn's is not going to affect you and it's not, and the next person is going to be different because let's face it, in a sense, Crohn's disease is a crapshoot. What medication works for one person doesn't work for the other. And um, for me, I don't, like I could eat something one day and be completely fine and I could eat something three days later and it will make me ill. So I don't necessarily believe that based on specific foods, it makes me sick or not. Yeah, I would say like my approach to it isn't specific foods. It's specific types of macronutrients and changing the foods and finding which ones work specific to that person, different in everyone, but finding which ones are causing more inflammation and and kind of like feeding the disease for lack of a better word yeah 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 I can understand that but again that's why I said that I believe this is a huge debate within the Crohn's community because there's so many different opinions on it yeah I think it's one that needs to be talked about too without like like I I 100% understand where you're coming from and I'm sure you understand where I'm coming from and it's a lot of people will just like you know someone says like for example someone with Crohn's will follow my page and I say I've been in remission for over two years solely through nutrition, not even cannabis anymore, just nutrition. And someone will get upset and block me or whatever. I've had the DMs, but I don't think that's the right approach. Like just like some medications won't work, some will. We have to try whatever we can try and be open to hearing from others who things have worked so that we can figure this stupid disease out (laughs) together and and talk about it. If nutrition works for you and it works for some people, like that's great. That's amazing because at the end of the day, as a Crohn's patient, you should not want anything more than remission for any other Crohn's patient because it is something that literally affects your life every day. It is never going away. You are always going to have it in one way or another, whether it's remission or not. And if you can't get it under control, it's something that you have to think about constantly. If you decide to go to the mall, you don't want to eat too early before you go because if you're in a flare-up, well, what if you're in the store and you can't make it to the bathroom on time? I can't even tell you how many times it's happened to me. In the mall. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Or anywhere for that matter. And at that point, when it gets so bad, you just stop wanting to do anything or Mm -hmm. go out anywhere because at least if I go to the bathroom in my pants at home, (laughs) it's at home. I put my stuff in the washing machine. I get in the shower and clean myself up. Yeah. Yeah. I think we've all been there. All of us with Crohn's have been there. (laughs) So we're going to now kind of focus on the fact that you are a business owner through all of this. (laughs) And if it's one thing that I know about my friend is that uh, you stay insanely busy. So even when I say business owner, it doesn't even do you justice because when I knew Kirsten, she not only owned a hair salon, ran that hair salon, worked at that hair salon. She also like worked at a, a pub, picking up extra shifts. She had the business with her husband pouring concrete. Like it was insane. And then on on top of that, you know, she she toys with uh, certain meetings within the community, and she is an ambassador for you know like going to certain meetings and 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 speaking on behalf as a business owner. So you never stop. And so if if it's one person that I've ever admired 
word when it comes to success and 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 working their ass off while having a chronic illness it's you man so let's talk about the fact that you are such a crazy kick-ass boss babe (laughs) well i don't know you know I was a lot busier before I had a baby, that's for sure. Um, yeah, but that's how it all began, though, is before Bodhi was born, obviously, yeah. that you became who you are today. But, like, yeah, so you, when you moved to Medicine Hat from Fort McMurray, uh, that was when you kind of decided that, you know, hair was going to be your course of uh, career. Is that correct? Yeah, I moved. I mean, I always dabbled in a little bit of hair when I was younger. I liked to do my friend's hair. I liked to do my hair. Um, I was doing safety and um various positions out at the kind of oil plants within Fort McMurray and I just wasn't happy there wasn't anything there that was making me happy so I decided to pick up and move to Medicine Hat on a whim I'd never even been here before and I had served for a decade prior to getting into the oil field and when I moved out to Medicine Hat um, there wasn't much happening in the oil field five six years ago so I decided to go back to what I knew, which if anybody has served for an extended period of time, it's like riding a bike. You can pretty much do it anywhere. So I picked up a job at one of our local pubs called The Scoreboard, and I was there three days, and I met my husband. Um, they totally took me in as, like, one of their own as family. I worked there for, like, a week, and it felt like I had been there for 10 years, and I always had, I think, the work ethic to want to do something with my life and to, you know, be a business owner in a sense, but I just never knew how to get there, how to positively channel that that drive. Um, and when I met my husband, he was the person who really showed me um, kind of how to get there. He, We had been together, I think, like five months, and he paid cash for me to go to hair school. And at the end of hair school, the opportunity came up to buy an existing salon in a pretty good location. And I didn't have a clue what we were doing, but we just jumped in with two feet and just said, let's do it. We were always planning on opening a salon one day. We just didn't know whether it would be something we bought or built from the ground up. And it just seemed like a really good opportunity to get in. So I was finishing hair school that December, January, and that's when I had purchased the salon. So I technically took over February 1st, and I think I had, like, my official graduation in March or something like that. And that's when we met. (laughs) Yes, it was. That's when we met. Because I kind of was working at this salon. Kind of, I wasn't like a a full-time employee by any means. But when they would have like a huge wedding party, you know, in the summer, I would come in. I would help do makeup and you know help out, you know, sweep hair and all that kind of stuff. So um, it was it was interesting because we had found out that we were going to be under new ownership. And instantly, of course, I feel like in the in the hair business, women are so standoffish. It's crazy. So it's like, you know, you have like a new woman coming in and you're just like, uh-huh, who's this new boss we have? And then it ended up being Kirsten, who is like the sweetest person Aww. ever. And then you get to know her husband, who would always make appearances at the salon, and he's such a good sport. So it's just like, yeah, I'm so happy that that was like the moment where, you know, you and I created our friendship. But from there... Um, you know, you have succeeded what you expected in terms of owning a business. Am I right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, 
it was hard. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> there was there's a lot of moving parts, especially when you buy an existing salon because you do have staff that's already there and you have lots of different personalities to get to know. Um, and as the years go by and the economy changes and people change, um, you have to kind of change with it and find out where you go next. Like, what's your next thing? How do you stay in business? How do you keep your staff happy? Um, so, yeah, it, it's, been a, it's been an adventure, to say the least. I went through something about a year ago that really changed my perspective in business, and I think um, I learned a lot from that, which has made me a better business owner in a sense. So I think for me it's just like you have to be open with constantly evolving and constantly learning because you deal with so many personalities and so many different situations with clients, with other business owners. It's um, but I think just remaining true to yourself and being true to my heart when it comes to business is what has allowed me to get as far as I have. So how were you able to manage the Crohn's and like the bad flare and everything while achieving your dreams and opening the salon and pushing forward and learning all these new lessons? Cause I know, um, Sorry, I know that um, when I was a hairstylist, the reason I stopped, the reason I no longer do it or or continue doing it on my own was I had a bleach out uh, or a bleach out. I was bleaching a client's hair. She had her full head of bleach in the sink ready to be washed out, needed to come out in that moment. No one else was in the salon and I had to go to the bathroom for half an hour. So <laughs> that was a story that kind of sticks with me and was like, okay, maybe I need to re- re um assess this hair thing but like i can't imagine doing that plus then running your own salon for the first time just finishing hair school so still learning how to do hair essentially and managing people and then moving forward (laughs) i think for me i was really lucky at the time because i was in remission at the point when i had taken over oh that's awesome the salon so for me you know my disease is always in the back of my mind and it was always there but it it didn't have to be at the forefront because my symptoms weren't so problematic that I couldn't deal with my day-to-day life and I was really lucky in that sense don't get me wrong I still had bad days but I also ran a full staff who were really helpful and I am very open about my disease and it took me a really 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 long time to be okay with that it took me a really long time to be okay with people knowing um and I think it's not that you don't want people to know you're sick. I think with Crohn's, the most embarrassing embarrassing thing is the symptoms mm. and what goes hand in hand with being sick with Crohn's. So I think for me, what really was beneficial was being open with all of my clientele and my staff with what was going on with me on the day-to-day. Like if I was sick, um, having somebody either take a client for me or being able to call that client and just say, hey, listen, like, I'm really sick today. Do you mind if I move you? And I think being open and honest and real with people is the best thing you can do. Yeah, for any chronic illness, because hiding it is just going to make people think that you're shady or you're, you keep rescheduling them. Like, that's cool. That's good, good approach. So, but how are you doing it now that you're flaring or have been for the last year and a half? So it's been really tough. Um, I, I I deal the best I can, and that's pretty much the best I can do. I mean, I've had to go to the bathroom during clients 
Um, and I just, it is what it is. There's nothing I can do about it. I also don't book myself crazy days anymore. I used to double book myself. I used to book things in between clients, like cuts here, cuts there. But now I only book like one color or a color, like a root color, which is takes me an hour and a break and then a root color. I mean, those types of things, you can manage your time and just making sure you have ample time in between because you never know kind of what the day is going to bring. Um, I also have a really good girl that works for me. Her and I do things almost exactly the same. She's pretty much my right hand. And if things ever really go awry, she always has my back. So having somebody like that that you can depend on is really crucial. That's so important. I love that. I love the scheduling your day so that already knowing that something may happen and having that time in between versus just hoping that nothing happens. Yes, it's bit me in the butt a couple of times where I haven't planned accordingly or I've just booked way too many clients in one day. Um, also, if I have a really busy day, this is horrible to say, but I won't eat all day. I will go the whole day without eating because if I don't eat, then I don't have to go to the bathroom. Okay, so we obviously have had such a great chat that we want to keep this going for a part two. Yes, we need to. <laughs> yes, so we're going to break this up and do this in a second episode that you can catch next week, okay? Come back next week. You're going to want to hear it. Thanks so much for listening. If you like our show and want to know more, follow us on Instagram at sickandsuccessful underscore. Join us next week for an all-new episode.